Well, good evening, everybody. Hey, listen, isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. Hey, I read a quote uh, this afternoon that stirred my heart, and I thought it would be good for us today. It said, someday someone is going to pick up this book, right? Everyone got your Bible? Someday someone's going to pick up this book, the Bible, and believe it. And when they believe it, and they're going to do it, and then they're going to put us all to shame. And I thought, how cool would it be tonight if Calvary Church, if we could just pick up the book, that we could believe it, and that we could do it. Amen? Amen. We serve a big God, and he could do great things, and he is doing great things, and I am grateful that we get to be a part of that tonight. Pastor Marty, thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for the invite. I'm super excited to be here. I have my wife with me. We've been married 25 years. Uh, I met Danette at Bible college. It was really true when they said a ring by spring or your money back. So I'm grateful for that. Uh, we have three girls. Uh, I've got a 23-year-old. Her name is Maddie. She's on staff with us at the church. We love Maddie. Uh, and she's over our young adults. And uh, I will just say the young adult ministry here at, at Calvary has been so kind to uh, us and Maddie, and we're grateful for that. I have uh, my middle daughter. She's 19. She's studying at Southeastern. Uh, she says she's studying at Southeastern. Uh, most of the photos of her are looking tan and palm trees. Uh, so whether she's studying or not, I'm not really sure, but she's in Florida. And then I have a 10-year-old, and her name is Piper. And uh, if you're doing the math, 23, and then you're doing 19, and you're doing 10, I, we do the math too. And uh, so yeah, exactly. Uh, Piper, she, she said she was going to be here. She's like, Dad, I want to go, and I don't want to go to kids' church. I'm going to sit with you. And I'm like, great. You know, we, ju we just had this talk real quick. We just had this talk that she said that uh, I asked her, what do you want to do when you grow up? She goes, I, I want to do what you want to do. I said, you want to go in the family business? She goes, yeah, Dad, I want to go in the family business. We call that the ministry, right, the family business. And I said, well, what do you want to do? And she goes, I'm coming for your job. I'm like, I'm a little paranoid now. But she said she was coming, and uh, so I was excited to have her. And uh, then, then she was invited to go roller skating. <laughs> and she's like, Dad, I'm out. Uh, I'm going. So pray for her. That's, that's, that's our pastor's kid. You know, like she, you know her commitment is, is questionable. But anyways, it's, uh, it's really good to be here, and I am grateful. Uh, I haven't been in the house uh, the last couple nights for Revival, but I have been watching at my house online. Great job, media team. The stream's been fantastic. It's like we've been here. Uh, I love the messages from Pastor Witt and Pastor Ken, uh, messages on seasons, uh, messages on passions and priorities. How, how no, uh, these are timely words. Are you with me, right? These are timely words, and uh, it was great. The worship has been fantastic. Yes, give it up for our worship team. I love it, and I'm so happy for you that you've had the opportunity to come and celebrate God's grace and his goodness, and uh, if you've been here, you've heard Pastor Jeff talking about getting baptized for uh, this Sunday. Uh, let me just nudge you a little bit. I know you don't know me well, but just let me nudge you. Go public with your faith. It's a great thing, and uh, you won't be disappointed with that. Get signed up. However you get signed up at Calvary, be sure to get signed up. All right, let's go. You ready? You ready to go to work this, uh, this evening? All right, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we come in the name of Jesus, knowing that you're able to do more than we could ever hope for or imagine. So in your precious name, that sacred and divine name, we ask you, King, to speak to us tonight. We pray that our minds could be opened and our hearts receptive for your word. Father, we pray we leave here different because we've been in your presence, and God will be quick to give you the glory because of it. 
Father, we pray that, God, that uh, we could be obedient, God, not just in the house, but when we leave the house tonight, to do everything that you've commanded us to do, all for your glory, as our spiritual act of worship, in the mighty name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen. I want to jump right in on the theme of growth and becoming a fully devoted follower of Christ that your pastor has been talking about this year at Calvary. Uh, just so you know, I've watched each of the installments already, and I'm sitting in my office, I'm watching the stream, and I'm fired up as, as pastor is just bringing some very good and timely messages for the church. God honors us when we do what he honors. Are you with me? Uh, let me put it this way. There's a kind of two different approaches we could take with this thing. We could get in a situation where we're always coming up with our plans and we're asking God, bless my plans, God, bless my plans. Or we could step back and we could look at what God blesses and we could do those things, right? You wanna talk about you need your finances to be blessed and your God bless my finances, bless my finances. How about we just do what God says in the area of our finances and we're generous and we give. You know, God, I just, I, I just wanna, uh, I want you to bless me here. And, and I just say, time out. Let's just do what he blesses. And you know what God blesses? He blesses a church and he blesses a people that get hungry for the things of God. Amen. That are willing to step up and stand up and say, I'm not where I need to be, but I know how to get there. And that is by stepping up my passion and my pursuit of Jesus Christ. We've got to grow. God's heart for us is to grow. And I think that is a good word for this year, not only for Calvary, but my church as well, Paul writes in Ephesians, and this is kind of just a springboard, couple verses to get us going this evening. Paul says this, we are not meant to remain as children at the mercy of every chance wind of teaching, but we are meant to hold firmly to the truth and love and grow up in every way into Christ the head. I love that. We got to grow up. Paul says in Colossians, he says, we continue to preach Christ to each person using all wisdom to warn and to teach everyone in order to bring each one into God's presence. What, what, how? As a mature person in Christ. Everyone say mature. Listen, God wants us to grow up. Are you with me? Right, God wants to, I mean, and it goes beyond just coming to church. It goes beyond just the goosebumps you get during worship. God wants us to grow up. And I would submit to you this evening that if you're going to grow up in your relationship with Jesus Christ, it's going to require some grit, Amen. some determination, right. some intentionality, some persistence. And I would just add, not only growth requires grit, but if we're going to be a people of revival, experience revival beyond just revival meetings, it's going to require some grit. It's going to take some, take some grit. As a pastor, my heart... I want to see people come to know Jesus. I want to see people grow in their relationships with Jesus. I want to see uh, our church, our people reflect the very image of Christ at the highest level possible. I want to see our people reproduce their faith in other people, build disciples. I want them to grow, and, and I know that's your pastor's heart too. And so maybe we could just, again, uh, in our minds, on our notes, just rally, just uh, get a little motivation, say, I'm going to commit to grow. Now, if we're going to do that, I think we need us to maybe release or get rid of some of the myths uh, that there are about spiritual growth. Yeah, I mean, like this one, like spiritual growth is automatic. You know, it's just going to happen. How many know spiritual growth is not automatic? Right? Saying that I'm just going to grow automatically is like saying if I don't go to the gym, I'm going to be as big as your pastor next week. Right? I know I'm close, but it, it doesn't work that way. 
got to put the time in, right? Another lie we believe about growth is that it's just instant, right? You know, I gave my life to the Lord 10 minutes ago, and now, you know, I'm just a stalwart of the faith. No, it's not instant. You're instantly saved when you call upon the name of Jesus. Glory to God. But your growth, it's a journey. It's a process. And you know what? That's a beautiful thing. But our growth's not instant. Another myth is like, you know, if I just go to church, you know, a couple times a month, and then I'm, I'm just going to grow and I'm going to be mature. Nah, that's not true either. Here's a couple angles on that. You go to church your whole life and still not be mature in your faith. Look straight ahead, right? Then some of you think I'm only going to come once or twice a month. You're not going to grow in your faith either. Right? It takes work. It's like, have you noticed when you eat food, physical food, you get full after a while? Yep. I mean, most of us do. But here's what I found about spiritual food. The more you eat, the more you want. Right. The more you eat, the more the appetite and the hunger increases. Are you with me? Right? right? We've got to get hungry, not just when we're together, but when we're apart. Right. Here's another myth. That you measure your spiritual growth by how much you know. Well, Wes, I got all these advanced degrees. I'm really, really smart. I've memorized all this scripture and all of these things. And I want you to know that's great. Keep using your mind. Grow. Get the degrees. Advance in your knowledge. But growth in discipleship is not just about your beliefs, but also about your what? Your behavior. To be like Christ. Your pastor says this, and I love this. I wrote it down when he was preaching. He says, discipleship is studying the words and the ways of Jesus for the purpose of following Jesus. That's just good stuff. And I could say that because that's your stuff, not mine, right? That, that's good stuff. And so maybe you could just lean in for a minute. If you want to be a disciple, you need to understand this. That growth, right? Being a disciple, an apprentice, a student, a pupil of God is someone who's going to learn with the intent of obeying, right? We have the, we're going to hear from pastor. We're going to read the word. We're going to listen to God, but not just to have another experience that we're going to have the intent to obey. Listen, I, I don't mean to be adversarial this evening, but there's far too many Christians with little to no intent to obey at all. Right? 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 I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about those people that were here last night. Right? No intent. We are not saved to consume. We're not. We're not. We haven't been set free from guilt and shame and regret and remorse and all of that junk just to sit in a chair and just be consumers. Church hoppers and shoppers going to the latest, the most trendy church. No, we're, we're not safe for that. You were safe for so much more. And maybe I could just submit to you tonight that maybe, just maybe, this is just my opinion. So if you need to check your messages, this might be a good time. Right? that we are way too long on our doctrine and way too short on our demonstration. Right. Listen, doctrine's important, teaching's important. What we believe and why we believe it, oh, is so very important. But what in the world does it matter if you've not allowed what God put in your head to trickle to your heart and be fleshed out with your feet? Are you with me? 
What a lost and dying and hurting world needs is a Christian that has been radically saved by the infinite grace of God to such a degree that it transforms the way they live. Listen, if it's all about doctrine and learning and not about displaying, you and I have a great chance of just sliding into that that person of an accidental Pharisee where we have the form of godliness, but we deny his power. Now, I would submit to you that the last two years, and we could get an agreement on this, have been challenging. They've been difficult, right? They have. And I would just... Oh, in my heart, I know there's a lot of things beyond our control that have taken place, but I just believe in my spirit that there's so much more going on. I, I really believe that there is an all-out assault and attack on the hands and the purpose and the people of God by the enemy himself. If you knew me, you, knew that, you would know that I am not a, a demon or a devil behind every bush. But I want you to know, young people, I want you to know there is a battle for your life going on right now. Church, there is an attack on your belief system in Christ. There is a real battle going on. And until we identify the reality of the kind of battle we're in, we won't know how to fight right. Right? Think about it. Division, divisiveness is running rampant, not only in our culture, but in our churches amongst believers. Division's not of God, right? It's not. It's of the enemy. And I want you to know, just so we're on the same page tonight, is that the enemy is real. The devil comes to steal and kill and destroy. Are you with me? He's a liar. And he is a formidable foe, but I'm here to tell you tonight that he's a defeated foe. Aren't you glad for that? We are victorious, right? But he's working hard on dividing God's people. Do you remember there was a time as Christians that we could disagree with other Christians on the non-essentials and still be kind? Whoa, what a day that was, huh? Do you remember when you used to use social media just to post what you were eating for lunch and not try to win every argument on the internet? You remember those days? Crazy, man, that was wild. But the enemy is working overtime trying to divide. You see the enemy working overtime and, and so many believers and unbelievers alike that are just so discouraged. I hate seeing discouraged believers. It breaks my heart. But the enemy comes out of strong in this area. You know why? Because it's the joy of the Lord that's our strength. So if I could get, he said, if I could just get God's people just a little discouraged, a little just worn out. They won't be walking in that joy. It could be, and he knows the joy is our strength. Here's what I know tonight. That the devil does not give me joy. Which means the devil can't steal my joy. Which means I have to stop relinquishing my joy. This joy that I have, what, remember that old song? The world did give it to me and the world can't take it away. How many are with me tonight? Amen. Right? So maybe we just need to step back and assess, have we slid into this kind of Eeyore type of Christianity? Stick with me. How many of you have kids and have read Winnie the Pooh? Right? Eeyore. You know what I'm talking about? You know, like, hey, how are you doing? Oh, just everything's so hard. And, oh, right? <laughs> Listen, I'm just going to talk to you over here. These types of people, yeah, between us, they, it's like putting a shop back to your neck and just sucking the life out of you, Right? Oh, yeah, I just love Jesus, but it's just so hard. Hey, let me tell you something. 
Sometimes our circumstances are bad, but God is always good, right? So if you love Jesus tonight, I'm gonna, I got some homework for you. If you really love him deep in the uttermost of your heart, listen, tell your face. Just leave that right there. The joy of the Lord is our strength, amen? amen. What we really see, the devil working overtime, is distracting the church. Man, the last couple of years, as just a pastor, as a believer, man, we've been distracted. Two huge areas, I see it all over the country, distracted in fulfilling the mission that God has called and placed us on, and the pursuit of the things of God, right? We, for a lot of reasons, none of them, I think, are warrant us not being obedient, but we've just gone so inward. Just, we've been about self-preservation, but I want you to know that in the darkest times, God's word and God's kids shine the brightest. Now is not the time to retreat or withdraw or go into a holy huddle or get an us for no more mindset. Now is the time to take our place as children of God and understand that we are in a battle, but it's a battle that's already been won, all right? And here's what we know, is that the object of our pursuit will always determine the direction in which we run every time. And in revival services, I think it'd just be great just to be honest. It's like, what am I really pursuing? Whether you're in high school, whether you're in college, whether you've been around church your whole life, what, what are you pursuing? Comfort, ease, right? Just getting through? Or are you pursuing that lifestyle that says to the Lord in word and in action that I am a fully devoted, sold out, thankful, grateful child of God? Right? What are you pursuing? I say all that to say this. We have a real enemy we're facing real issues. And one of the greatest things about adversity, it gives us such an incredible opportunity to grow. Right, we know we could grow by reading the Bible. We could grow through our prayer times. We could grow through serving at church and all of those things are important, right? There's all these different ways we grow in our faith. But I'm telling you what, there's something about a believer that buckles down when times are tough that you'll see such rich maturity and development in their faith. The writer of Hebrews in the sixth chapter says, let's go on to maturity. I love that, let's just go, let's, let's just go on to maturity. And I'm telling you what, even in the midst of the day we live in, where I think it is dark, I think it is difficult and all of those things, but I believe what an opportunity it is for us, not only to get to know Jesus better, but to make him known, are you with me? So in the middle of this difficult season, in the, in the challenge maybe of your life, let me just, just point out two, just two ways that God is gonna continue to mature our faith. Number one, that God uses trials. How many have ever experienced a trial in your life? For those that didn't raise your hand, let me just expand trials into storms, difficulties, right? Have you ever been there where you just find yourself in just a mess? Trials, uh, they're not, doesn't mean you're in sin. It doesn't mean you're weak. It doesn't mean that you're disobedient. If you have a pulse, you will find yourself in a trial or a storm at some point or another. 
But it's amazing how the trials of life um, give us this ability to get traction in the mess, right? To, I don't know, really fortify what we're going to do, who we're going to become, who we're going to pursue. I think a great story in the Old Testament, and it's a familiar story, is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, third chapter of the book of Daniel. You know the story. King Nebuchadnezzar was crazy. He was an ego uh, maniac, right? And he builds this giant statue, and he's, a, this is Wes's paraphrase, he's like, hey, everyone's going to have to bow down and worship when the music plays, right? Remember the story? And, and he builds it, and I mean, he's rallying the troop. He's getting the bass out. He's like, you guys got to do this. The music starts. Everyone bows down. There's some people that kind of rat out Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They go to the king, and they said, hey, these three Jewish guys, they didn't bow down and worship your statue. As you can imagine, the king was upset. He brings the guys in and say, I, I don't know what's going on, but let me unpack this for you one more time. When the music starts, you're to bow down and you're to worship. Right now, they're in a trial. They knew that if they did not bow down, they would be killed. Right? We're not talking about just becoming uncomfortable, not just being unliked, not just being persecuted a little bit. They were going to die. Right? They knew. There was a lot at stake right here. And I love this response, and I'm telling you, as I went over this over and over and over the past couple of weeks, God so spoke to my heart. Verse 16 of the third chapter of the book of Daniel. It said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him. Listen to this. King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves. That's a great right there. We don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, now get this. If we are thrown in the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Did you catch this? Face to face with death. My God is able. My God will. But even if he doesn't, I'm not going to bow. You get a bad report from the doctor, my God is able, my God will, but even if he doesn't, the name of the Lord is worthy to be praised. Are you with me? My God is able, my God will, but even if he doesn't. Can you imagine if we predetermined to go into every trial, to ride throughout every storm, that my God will and my God is able, but even if he doesn't, I'm going to bless the Lord. Wow. You talk about a pathway to maturity. Times of adversity are great times of opportunity to grow. See, the devil comes to destroy our faith, but God allows the trials of life to test it and perfect it. And I am grateful for that. So you fast forward through the story and you know it, they get thrown in. God comes through. Side note, this is just Wes's editorial. If I was one of those three guys, I might have been a little mystified on what took God so long to get there. Right? I mean, he had to wait. They had to wait till they were in the furnace, but that's just, that's just me. But here's what I love about this. Go down to verse 30. It says, Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego 
in the province of Babylon. Whoa. Could it possibly be that your next promotion, your next step closer to Jesus, your breakthrough, your healing, what, whatever you need from God could be on the other side of you withstanding and making it through the trial that you're facing? I mean, could it be that God has allowed you to go through this test of your life just to stretch you and grow you? And on the other side of your faith and obedience is your promotion. Wow. Listen, God's for you and he's with you. God uses the changing circumstances of our lives to mature our faith. Boy, this is a tough one. Put the context of the last two years. And you could see that the presence or the absence of spiritual maturity is never more noticeable than in one's response to the changing circumstances of life. As a pastor, I interact with people every week that are struggling with the changing circumstances of life. You get it. You're alive. You deal with them. But I think it's interesting that sometimes we forget just this amazing principle that gives us perspective. And this is the big idea here. And I just want to be blatant because I I don't want to get in the way and, and you potentially miss this. The big idea here that God uses the changing circumstances of life to mature us is this, is that God orders the circumstances of your life with great care. So we often get frustrated, we get anxious, we get irritated, we dart. I I never understand this as a pastor. Someone's going through it, they're struggling, the wheels of life are falling out, and the first thing they do is stop coming to church. Marty, write a book about that, I'll buy it. You know, I don't get it. But we need to remember that God orders the circumstances of your life with great care. Someone said there's something about maturity that comes through adversity. If you don't suffer a little, you will never stop being a kid. Well, that'll preach. Flip over to Jeremiah chapter 18, and I think this story illustrates where I'm going with this. Verse 1, it says, this is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. I love this. Watch this. It says, go down to the potter's house, and there I'll give you my message. I I just think this is awesome. You want to hear my message, you have to be obedient first. Go down. So he goes down. And when he went down and he was obedient, then God spoke. There is something there for someone tonight. So I went down to the potter's house and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me and he said, listen to this. Can I not do with you Israel as this potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. Wow. What are we saying? God's the potter. You and I are the clay. And maybe we could say that that potter's wheel is just life. And we're going around this thing called life. And it may seem out of control, but the master potter has his hands on the clay. Are you with me? Yeah. That fires me up too. And as we go through these circumstances, God is smoothing out those rough edges. He's working our lives into something beautiful. But did you catch it? It said that the pot that he was working on was marred. The word marred means imperfection. There was a blemish. So what did he do? The potter 
boom, smashes the clay and makes something else. Here's the beautiful thing. God has the right, and he is sovereign, and he can take your life and make something new out of it. So that's one part. The other part is that God is so gracious that even when we're imperfect and even when we struggle, that he doesn't throw us off the potter's wheel, but he shapes us into something beautiful. I love this. Now, why is this so important? And I have to hurry. Right? If you put this piece of pottery that's imperfect, that's marred, and you put it in the kiln and fire it. If there's air pockets or imperfection, when the, the heat increases and it gets hot, what does it happen? The pottery just implodes or explodes, and, and it doesn't turn out. And I see this picture that God has for us, that I'm going to continue to work on you and continue to smooth those rough edges out, because when you face the fire of life, I want you to make it. I will allow this this potter's will to spin and I will continue to mold and then you got to trust me that even though the circumstances may seem out of control that the master potter is still working his craft are you with me praise God for the sovereignty of God thank him that he's at work that when we try to recreate or just mastermind our own lives it always fails but when we stay on the potter's wheel and allow the master to shape us and mold us, we will always come out beautiful with a noble purpose. I love that. Where do we go, right? So we know that trials grow us up if we respond correctly. We know that God has his hands in all of the different arenas of our lives, the things that seem stressful, the seem, things that seem difficult, God is still working it out. And I'm grateful for that. Sometimes I wish there were less trials and less change. Are you with me? But God knows. So here's the question, right? Where do we go from here, right? We're trying to grow. We're trying to allow God to use the difficulties of life, the friction of life, the tension of life to mature our faith. But how, how can we sustain this? How, maybe let's frame it in the context of revival. How, how can we maintain this attitude of revival? And maybe we just go back a little further. How can we keep the flames of revival on our heart burning once revival meetings are over? I tell you what, if you can't encounter God in a worship service like we just had, they're just, you, just, you just need to get right tonight, right? I mean, God is in this place. And I don't usually have a tough time connecting with God in worship like that. It's when Monday morning comes around and I'm tired. It's when I get a bill in the mail that I don't want to pay. Have you ever been there, right? To get a report from the doctor. How do we keep it going? How can we keep fanning the flames of revival? Because here's this, and I believe this with my whole heart. Revival in the church, revival in our lives will be the only thing that gets us back to normal. Not normal pre-COVID, but biblical normal. Revival will realign our hearts that will help us live a Christianity that's much more in line with the word of God than the culture of our day. We need revival. We need it. We need an open heaven over our lives. We need it. How do we get there quickly? Get to Isaiah chapter six. 
Pastor Witt hit this just a little bit on Thursday night. Isaiah chapter 6, the context of this passage is Isaiah's commissioning, right? Isaiah's having an encounter with God, but I, I, I just, I feel like the Lord's speaking for my life that you could pull some pretty amazing principles out of here that create a pathway to a revived life, to a, a, a revived church. So stick with me here. We're going to go through this really quick. If we want to continue to grow, if we want to see the fire of God in our lives, if we want to see the power of God demonstrated in the way we live out our faith, I think it starts here. And I encourage you to write this down. Number one, we need to recapture the awe of God. Are you with me? Right, we need to recapture the awe of God. I had a guy in our church get me a shirt that said, Jesus is my homeboy. Right? All right, I'm grateful that Jesus is my friend. I am grateful that he's my heavenly father. But I, I, I need to get back sometimes just to remember that he is the God of the universe. Right? Isaiah has this encounter, and he sees the Lord high and exalted. Right? And there's the seraphim with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. With two, they were flying, and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy. Holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now listen to this. This would be so awesome. And the sound of their voices, uh, the doorpost and the threshold shook. And it was filled with smoke. God is our friend, right? Praise the Lord. Through a relationship with Jesus Christ, we could be friends with God. I am grateful for that. But I think it's just about time that maybe we just come back a little and we'll remember that the God that so graciously saved us is the creator of all things. He is absolutely holy. Holy, complete, pure, unspotted, perfect. And he calls us to be holy. He's the God that spoke the mountains and the seas and the sun and the moon into existence. And the Bible says, yeah, and he made the stars also. I just think it's about time that we just recapture just a, a clearer, broader, bigger picture of God. Well, one, because we need to understand that we are just blessed to be called his. He doesn't need us, but he wants us. I love that. Not only do we need to recapture the awe of God, we need to renew the rhythms of repentance. Stick with me here. Repentance is not a bad thing. It is a great thing. And you see that Isaiah encountered God. He's like, whoa to me, I'm ruined. I'm ruined. Because here's what we know, that when we're in the holiness of God, it will always expose our unholiness or lack of holiness. And I, I just think it would just behoove us as children of God to begin to blush a little bit again about our sin. Are you with me? That would be a great place to say amen. I mean, we, we need to get back to a place that when our attitudes don't line up with God's, when our behaviors don't line up with God, when we're not obedient to God's word, it should bug us. Right? Oh, we've gotten so great at just justifying it. Well, it's just the way I brought up. I had a bad day. My kids are driving me crazy. But there's something about being in the presence of God. There's something about being in the presence of God that'll just reveal those areas of your heart that need to be made right. And repentance is that bridge. It's a gift. Without repentance, sinners aren't saved and we're not renewed. Right? It's a wonder of his infinite grace. 
and only the imperfect are candidates for it, which means us. Repentance is God's activating grace that remakes, restores, and repairs his kids. It is a turning back to that which is normal, and that is being in alignment with God. Why do we need revival? Hey, we need to get back to normal. Normal, biblical, spirit-filled, God-honoring Christianity. Not a weakened, watered-down, lack-of-commitment-driven type of Christianity. A type of Christianity where we are committed to removing all the obstacles and looking face-to-face at the reality of the cross and it bids us to come and die. Right? To take up our cross and to follow him. I want to challenge you. Just write that down. I, I need to practice repentance when my, when my head, when my heart, when my actions are out of alignment with God. I don't have to wait to Sunday to repent. I don't, I don't have to feel guilty. I could just go to the Lord and say, God, I'm out of alignment. Please forgive me. Forgive me and let me get back in alignment with my Savior. Are you with me? It's a gift. Man, I love that. And last thing here. And I think this is a three-legged stool. We need a broader, bigger picture. We need to recapture the awe of God. We need to learn to repent when we sin and not let it just build up. And then we just need to ready ourselves to be used. We need to ready ourselves to be used. You want revival in your life? You want revival at Calvary? I know your pastor does. But revival is not just an in-house thing. It's an out-of-the-house thing. Right? We, we can't beg for God's blessing only to hoard it. Listen, this is just Wes's opinion. We, we don't need another crucifixion. We don't need another day of Pentecost. What we need is to learn to appropriate what has already been provided from a gracious God. And we have everything we need to fulfill every call he's placed on our lives. But we have gotten so used to being the cul-de-sac of God's blessing. We've gotten so used to saying, God, here my bless me, get me through this. But God is asking you, he's calling you, he's challenging you. He's already empowered you for this to just throw your hands up and say, God, I just want to be used. I'm going to just say goodbye to my consumer-driven Christianity. I'm going to get back to the God of the Bible that says, whosoever will, and that's me. Right? I'm going to do my part in the Great Commission. I'm not just going to come and sit and soak. Well, I hear it all the time. Well, we just had a tough go at our last church. I'm sorry, and I pray that your experience at my church will just be awesome and rich, but I want you to know that hurt doesn't sideline. Hurts gives you a story. Every scar is a story for the goodness of God. Right? Listen, and I'm done. It's not by accident that Calvary, and I am grateful for this church, has a relatively a new pastor. It is a new day at Calvary. Yes, we could clap. We appreciate the past, and we appreciate the wells that were dug, the lives that were changed, People all over the world literally impacted by the ministry of this church. Thank you, Jesus. Seasons, callings, 
giftings and you have Pastor Marty. And I can't help but think it would be just an incredible gift to God's man for the house if we could just say, God, I'm ready to be used, right? That I, I, I'm, God, I'm just gonna make myself available. Because here's, here's what I believe, that if you really get in the presence of God, right, and revival is learning to steward and flow in the presence of God, God's here, his tangible presence is here. You gotta lean in and recapture the awe, the wonder. And in that, know that I'm needy, it's by his grace that I'm saved. And our only response to God's amazing grace is saying, God, I'll go where you want me to go, I'll do what you want me to do, and I'll become who you want me to become. God, I'm getting usable. And listen, it doesn't matter if you're new, it doesn't matter if you've been at Calvary for a hundred years. If you got a pulse, you're not done yet. And I can't help I can't help but think that God has strategically positioned you for such a time as this to be ambassadors of God's grace in this community. To look out and see that the fields are ripe and ready for harvest. It's not just about adding another program at church. It's not about just another building. The greatest gift Calvary Church could give to this community. You ready? Right, this is gonna just blow your mind. The greatest gift you could give to this community is when you walk out these doors on Sundays that you're all full of God and you're ready to make a difference. The world, the lost and dying world's not looking for a new program, another a meeting to attend. They're looking for someone that's encountered the living God that has answers and hope and, and direction for life, right? Oh, church, our best days are ahead of us. We serve a big God, so let's ask for some big things tonight. Would you stand up with me? And I want to close out my part of the service by just leading us into prayer for a couple of things. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, we'll start right here. Maybe you've been to revival every night. Maybe you're watching online. You've been tuning in and, and you still have not made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Every eye closed and every head bowed. And you feel the working and the conviction of the Holy Spirit nudging you. Hey, listen, let's not leave here tonight without saying yes to Jesus. So if you're here and you need Jesus and you wanna make that commitment to follow him, I just wanna ask you to raise your hand right where you're at and I'll pray for you. I won't embarrass you, I won't call you out. I just wanna pray for you. If, if that's you, would you just slip your hand up right where you're at? I need Jesus tonight. I need Jesus. Maybe you're watching online right where you're at. Just receive the grace and the love of Jesus Christ acknowledging that you're a sinner and that you're far from God, just like I was before I gave my life to Christ. And right where you're at, regardless of the situation you're in, just cry out to God, say, God, forgive me. I wanna start a relationship with you. I wanna take my sin, my hurt, my past, and lay them at your feet, because I know you're a good God and you're in the life-transforming business. Amen? Amen. All right, hey, let's pray a couple things together. Let's pray, and I need your help. Let's pray for an open heaven over Calvary Church. But in that, let's ask God to enlarge our perspective of who He is, that we could recapture 
an accurate and ginormous picture of God's holiness and His power. Right? And I want us to pray for that. God, let us see you as you are to the best of our ability. And then number two, can we respond to Him in our own way? God, I'm available. I'm available. You have gifts and talents that the body of Christ needs, and we're to minister, you know, in three directions, right? First to God, the household of faith, and then those to far from God, it's time to step up. Can we pray together? And maybe if you would, just lift your hands up as an act of surrender, and maybe in your mind, you could draw a circle around you, your, your seat, and just say, God, fill it up with your presence. But let's go to work, church. Let's go to work for just a couple of minutes, and let's pray that God could do something in our lives, in this church, and this community. Come on, let's pray. Father, today we come with our hands up as an act of surrender saying, God, it's all about you and not about us. God, we need you, King. We need you. But God, I believe with my whole heart, it starts with getting an accurate picture of who you are. That you are the God of all creation. You are the master designer. You are the alpha and the omega. You are the beginning and the end. You are the prince of peace. God, you are the living God. You are our king. You are all powerful. God, you are a miracle worker. God, you restore and you renew. And God, you are holy. And you are able. God, enlarge our view of you. God, let us stand in awe that there is a God in heaven that loves us the way you do. God, we are grateful. And God, we come and we ask that you could do something in this house that would soften and position our hearts towards service like we've never done before. That God, that you would give us a vision and a heart for those that are far from you. That God, that you would remind us that we will never lock eyes with someone that does not matter to you. That God, that you will give us this desire that keeps us up late at night, that gets us up out of bed in the morning, that say that souls matter. That God, that we could be hungry, that we could be uh, in, in a position, God, to use our gifts and our talents for the glory of God. That Lord, we could be humble enough to say, God, I need you. You've came through for me. And now God, I want to serve others as a result and as a display of my gratitude. Help us, King. Now, Lord, I pray for Pastor Marty, and I pray for all the staff here at Calvary. I pray a double portion of your anointing. I pray for wisdom beyond their years, God. I pray that whatever they touch for the glory of your kingdom, that it works, that it is multiplied. God, I pray for divine favor in this community, this region for them, God. I pray that every need will be met. God, I pray that when people walk in this building, they will sense the presence of God like never before. Thank you, God, that you are for us. Thank you, God, for your grace. And that, God, I'm grateful that you working in our lives is not tied to just four days of revival but God, that we could keep the flame burning because that's your heart for us. Let us be hungry for you like we've never been before, King. All for your glory. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, and everybody said, amen. Hey, can we give the Lord a big hand clap of praise tonight? <laughs>